Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back together with you today. Uh, On a normal Sunday, I'm that guy that's sitting with a a white number nine Bengals jersey uh, in church, praying that the service will be done in time for me to catch the kickoff, right? So uh, uh, that's, that's the normal me, but I'm glad to be here today to to begin to uh, uh, share together with you, and I want to say that your prayers have been heard and answered. I will have you done in plenty of time for today's bingo thing. Can I hear a who day anywhere? I realize this is Indiana, and you're uh, this is a bas- basketball world. I, I get that, but I-, I just love football, and I'm excited about what's happening on with th- that today. I want to talk to you today about storms. Um, I, I'm fascinated by, by storms. Um, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those storm chasers. You know, those people that, that they go after the tornadoes or they ride toward them to try to get pictures and stuff. Uh, they're, they're borderline crazy, uh, either crazy or, or, or just a death wish. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not that far within it. And, and I'm not one of those news reporters, you know, where are the Parkers with the, the news station's emblem and they send them out during a, a blizzard or this torrential down poor or hurricane and 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 they, they they always say the same thing when they're out there whatever you do don't come out here right there they are in the middle of it saying whatever you do don't, don't come out here you can see in their eyes they don't want to be there right they, they don't want to be there that you, you can almost hear them saying to themselves I went to college for this is this what this is about now I, I'm not that but I, I do I like storms I like them. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to ride bikes out in rainstorms, or we'd get on a grassy slope and slide down right in the middle of the rainstorm. I don't know where my mother was through all this, uh, but but we did that. That's what we did as a kid. I, I loved when we lived here in Rising Sun. I loved sitting on my back porch as a covered porch and just watching storm clouds roll in or or thunder or lightning storms. I loved that. It was just comforting and peaceful to me. Um, uh, I, I can remember years ago when we lived here in Rising Sun, our kids were just little. It was one of those emergency snowfalls where, you know, everything in town shut down. And we were just bored. I think the kids were driving us crazy because we were camp- stuck in the house. And we said, let's go out. It was at night. And we put the kids, we bundled them up, put them on a sled, and we walked through Rising Sun uh, with them, pulling them behind on a sled. No one was out, not a single car, not a person and the, the, the lights were just beautiful on the snow and no tracks. My kids still talk today about that magical night where we went out on the sled. The storms can be awesome and cool and fun. I love them. My, my grandkids, though, have a different picture of what storms are about. They go into full panic the first time they hear the rumble of a thunder off in the distance. They go in full panic. My dog... A creature that was created to live in the wild loses his mind during storms and just doesn't know where to go and paces throughout the house here and there in every which way. 
Uh, I, I got a kick out of this past Christmas. Uh, if you remember, a couple days before Christmas, they had that blick, called it a blizzard. It's a couple inches of snow, but really frigid temperatures. And, and they had that. And, and everybody was, again, going, going wild. The same people who were singing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, were, were now emptying the grocery stores of milk and eggs and, and, and toilet paper. What, 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 is our, what is this weird thing that we have with storms? I, I get it, though, because storms can be powerful. They, 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 they're violent, and, and probably the scariest thing is they're unpredictable. But one thing that I think we, we never think about storms is they're normal. Storms are a normal thing. What do we say at the end of a storm? Whew, that was a big one. Do you remember the last one? Nobody ever says, boy, I'm glad that'll never happen again. No. Why? Because storms are, are normal. Storms happen. It's something that's a, a part of what life is really all about. Um, and the only prediction that I can guarantee for you in this new year in 2023 is there's going to be storms. Because they're normal. It's a part of what, uh, what our life is about. And I hope you do realize by now that we're not just talking about the weather anymore. Storm, storms are normal. It's what happens in life. It's what, what goes on everywhere and in every one. And storms can be anything. I mean, it, it can range from uh, heavy traffic in, on a busy day, that's a storm, to bad diagnosis or a, a family member that says, I, I don't love you anymore, or a sheriff's knock on the door. Storms, different sizes, different types, different timing, but there's still storms in our lives. And for, for whatever reason, we're never prepared for them. You know, we, we gotta rush to, to the, the, the grocery store to get all our stuff at the last minute because for some reason we're not thinking there might be a storm ever happening again. And we're never prepared for the storms in our life either. We, we, we don't see them coming. We say, oh, oh, this one came out of the blue. We, we don't anticipate we say, well, that's just not normal. Well, isn't it? It is normal. Why aren't, why aren't we ready for that? Today I want to focus for a story. If you've got your Bibles, you can open to, to Matthew chapter 8. It's a story that's a, a really familiar story to, I think, most of us here, if you've spent any time around the church, or even if you don't. It's kind of one of those stories that you, you've heard about before. But it's a story about Jesus uh, and, and calming the storm. I remember as a kid, I, I, I had a picture of this in my bedroom. It wasn't a fancy picture. It was one of those cheap paint-by-number kind of deals of Jesus standing triumphantly at the front of the boat. And, and the, the, the disciples were all cowered in the back, just scared to death. And these waves were whipping up over the thing. And I can remember, even as a young child, looking at that and, and studying that, I think it was supposed to give me comfort. But I don't know why else my parents would have put it in my bedroom. But it terrified me because there was such violence in this. And this, this, this sense of what, what this whole experience is, was, was about. Well, today, I, I hope that we can give uh, you a little fresher look. It's just a short story. 
but I hope we can give you a fresher look at what was really happening in the story. It's on the, it's on the screen, so let's, let's just follow it on there. Here's what Jesus, uh, uh, here's what happened. It says, then Jesus got into the boat. This is a time when Jesus' disciples were, were working and preaching and doing the stuff, just beginning in his ministry and doing things. And they'd been in, in, in the area of Galilee. They got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And without warning, a furious storm came on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went in and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, now let's hold it right here because we've got to begin to set the scene of what this story is really all about. I mean, here we go. We start with this, this storm that he says is a furious storm. It's a furious. Now, now these were seasoned fishermen. This is not just a, an average storm. They'd seen and weathered storms all their lives. They knew what a storm was about, and this was the real deal. This was something unique even to them. And, he says, it came without warning. It wasn't like they were careless or they'd been foolish and done something stupid and said, well, let's go out on it. We don't care what it, no. They didn't see it coming. And, and, and that's so often how storms are, right? You don't, you don't anticipate them coming up in that moment or they catch us when, when we're least prepared for that. And it also says, the waves were coming over the boat. That's a furious storm. And these guys were not just overreacting. They, they weren't just kind of, you know, scaredy cats that, that maybe weren't, didn't like the water. That's, that's not what this is. This is a legitimate danger in their lives. And, and they're scared. Hey, we're going to drown. But what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. You're not scared at all. Let's follow on the story. Goes on in the next verse to say, then he, he replied to them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I've, I've always wondered what the remainder of that boat ride was like. Just Jesus and his disciples. What was it like? Was it just kind of like this stunned silence the whole time? What in the world just happened? Was that it? Or were they asking Jesus a thousand questions? How did you do that? What? 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 How did, we never knew you could do that. What, can I do that? Was it that? Or, or maybe it was a... It was a swapping stories. I remember that last storm. What if Jesus could have calmed that one too? Could he calm that kind of storm? Who knows? What, what I do know is that it made an impression on them. Three of the gospels include this story. I'm sure they told it many, many times. They would never forget when Jesus calmed the storm in their lives. I, it's made an impression on me, and I, I want to leave that impression with you. I think there's some things we, we need to grab from this story. And the first is this. God can, our God can calm any storm. Our God can calm any storm. 
It doesn't matter how big the storm is. It doesn't matter how complicated it is. It doesn't matter how long it has lasted, how far-reaching it is. It doesn't matter who it is to blame or who, who it is that created it. it. It doesn't matter. Our God can calm any storm. He can handle it. And it sounds kind of, when you say it that way, it sounds kind of like a, a bully bragging on the playground. My dad's bigger than your dad. You know, my, my God can take care of this stuff. But it's true. It's who God is. It, it, this is the God that we serve. And I think the problem that we have when we, we struggle with the storms of life and the things that you're probably dealing with right now as you're looking into the new year is that we're focusing on the storms we're looking at the obstacles. We're, we're looking at, at the I impossible odds. We're, we're watching the waves come in over the boat and we're saying, there's no way. This is too big. We're, we're mesmerized by the power and the violence of the storm in our life. Instead of looking at who God is. He might be sleeping in the boat, but he's there with you and we don't look at him enough in our lives. God has amazing power. He has perfect timing. And our God can calm any storm. That's who he is. And we've got to settle in with what that really means in our love, in our life. I really love the disciples' reaction when they came to this, when they, they watched this. You just hear them say, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now they've been living with him 24-7. They knew him. They knew him probably better than anybody ever had at that point. And they had seen it all. They'd already seen miracles from Jesus. How many miracles do you need to see before you grasp the power of someone sitting next to you? I don't think it takes too many. They got it. They see it. They knew it. But this was something they didn't know. This is something they had never seen. And it stretched their understanding of who Jesus really was. Who is this man? I think the reality is that some of you have gone your whole life. You've gone to church. you followed the rules. You've done the church thing every Sunday. You, you, you do that. You get God. You, I, I know God. I know who he is. But the God that you know is too, too small. It's not God's fault. You're not looking. You haven't seen a God who can calm any storm. The God that you serve, the God that you call your God, it's just not big enough. One of the things that storms do is to stretch our picture of God. I guess the question you got to ask yourself is, do you really know who Jesus is? What I do for a living, I don't know how many of you know this, but I work for Lifeline Christian Mission. I, I travel internationally. I, I coach leaders in, in many different countries. One of my favorite places to go is Cuba. Uh, and I love it because Cuba is uh, a culture that we don't understand a whole lot about. There's a lot of mystique there. People don't know that. We, most Americans don't get to travel there. And so... It's a place as well that has not been touched or influenced as much by um, American culture and certainly by the church culture, the Western church culture. 
In fact, the, the uh, revolution in the government there for 50 years has tried to create a godless society. They, they want to factor God out of the society. Now, uh, to be honest, they quit trying to do that about 10 years ago. They gave up. They said it's not going to work. And so they're kind of letting the church do its thing in house churches, and that's what goes on there. And so it's fun to go there because it's just a different world and different expression and different culture and understanding of, of, of everything. And one of the things that we do there and one of the, everywhere that we go is we go out in, into the town and just visit people's homes and talk to people. And we're kind of like the, the bait. You know, look, here's an American. They call us, hey, Yankee Doodles, what they'll say. Hey, Yankee Doodle, they think that's really cool. And sing Wonton America. They always hear that singing when we walk through the streets because they recognize us and see us. And it's just as odd for them to see us as it is for us to be there. And uh, so we go through the places, and, and but we just knock on doors and introduce us to people. And we go in because they, they want to sit down and talk to an American. They think that's kind of cool, and that gives us an opportunity to talk to them. And uh, I was in a, a little town called Arroyo. It's just outside of uh, um, uh, Havana. It's similar to Rising Sun to Cincinnati, kind of that kind of town just on the outskirts and uh, a little bit out from the, the main city there. And the pastor, Eduardo, was taking us around. He was a real evangelist kind of guy. I loved to talk to everybody. Everybody in town knew who he was. And so they saw us, invited us in, and we're talking to this family. We're just talking, inviting them. We're going to have a service at the church. He had a, on the rooftop of his house, he has a little house church up there, a place that he has church. Um, uh, so he was inviting everybody, and the Americans were going to preach. And we would say, hey, come on, come on, go up to see this. And, and we were talking to the people about this. And we go through this whole story, and this, this lady gave us coffee, and we were just enjoying our time there she said as we got toward the end of what we were doing and after all the things we'd said she said you could just see this puzzled look in her her eye and, and she finally said who is Jesus and and at first I, I wasn't quite sure I understood her question I, that's pretty simple what I what, what? she said no I mean who who is Jesus I mean, I know people pray to him, and at Christmas time, the story is all about Jesus, and I see the statues. But, I mean, why? Who is he? She genuinely didn't know who Jesus was, except for a few trappings and a few traditions and a few things she'd seen going on around you, and I mean, a very few. She had no idea who we were talking about. We keep telling the same stories in church. We hear it, we go through the motions, we talk about Jesus. It's great. And there's probably some of those stories that you cling to. But I'm not sure any of us have grasped who he really is. All the depth of his character, all the lengths that he will go to for us, all the unimaginable power at his disposal and offered to us. He created the universe. He set time into motion. He heals every disease. He has raised the dead. He lives eternally. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Our God can calm any storm. Now, I don't know what's happening in your life. And please, please, please hear me. I, I do not 
want to minimize your pain and your struggle. It's real. I get it. But as long as we're focused on the storm, you're going to be overwhelmed. Our God is bigger than that. He can calm any storm. Now, I wish I could stop there, but I can't. Our God can calm any storm. But he doesn't calm every storm. And and as much as I don't want to have to say that, I think it's important for us to make that just as clear and leave that impression from this story as well. Our God can calm any storm, but he doesn't calm every storm. You know, what, wouldn't it be great <laughs> if we could say, hey, Jesus is in my boat. It's smooth sailing from here on, right? Wouldn't that be great? And I think that's sometimes what we expect when, when we're Christians. We think, oh, that's, that's the way the Christian life's going to be. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. It's going to be easy because he's on my side, right? But Jesus didn't promise that. And I'm not promising that to you either. In fact, if you look into the Bible and the New Testament, the New Testament writers seem to be trying desperately to manage our expectations about this Christian living. Because people are seeing miracles, Jesus is raising from the dead, and the New Testament writers in the early church are saying, whoa, pump the brakes. Wait, you, let, me, let me give you an idea of what this is going to look like. James says, hey, you just count it as joy whenever you experience trials of many kinds. Not if you experience trials. No, you're going to experience trials. Count it joy. Be happy about that. It's, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Paul, who, who was in prison at the time that he wrote it, just said, and, and actually ended up dying as a martyr, uh, said, hey, if I end up dying, let's count that as a win. That sounds like a concession, right? But he was saying to them, I'm going to count it as a win if I die. It's okay. I don't, I, it's all right. That's a part of what we're, we're signed up for. Jesus himself said, you know what? In this world, you're going to have trouble. Is that clear enough? That's what Jesus said, his very words. In this world, you're going to have trouble. And yet somehow we still think that the being a Christian is going to be easy. Somehow we think that because I give my faith to Jesus Christ that, you know, I got a free pass to the storms of life. And that's not how it happens. And I, I really think the reason that we struggle to trust is not because we, we don't believe in God's ability to do big things. It's in his unwillingness to do the one thing we desperately need or want today. That's where we lose our trust. Wait, where were you, God? We kind of have this transactional relationship with God. We say a prayer, we give our offering, we show up for church. God, you owe me. You owe me something. So we ask questions like, why do do bad things happen to good people? It's a good question. When is it my turn? This isn't fair. We begin to feel cheated as we compare our, our life to other people. Now, it's dangerous to compare because you don't know what's going on in people's lives. Now, I, I, let me just reassure you 
There's storms in every life. Don't believe what you see. Don't, don't, don't pretend what you see on, on Facebook is, is, is the real picture of what's going on in people's lives. Storms are there. They're always there. And even when God does show up in our lives and calms some of the storms, that doesn't mean that the storm isn't real. It's still hard, even in those times. And I think we forget that, that, that storms are normal. They're normal. Back in November, I got a chance to travel to Antigua, Guatemala. Antigua is a beautiful city. I, I, it's one of my favorite cities. I go there often. I, I've been studying uh, Spanish, and there's a Spanish school there. So when I travel to Guatemala, I go there for a week and, and just spend the week in, in Guatemala. I live in a host home, speak Spanish the whole time. And uh, I haven't died or, or starved to death yet. So I, my Spanish is getting a little bit better through that process. Uh, but Antigua is this awesome town. It, it was established back in the 16th century. So way back in the Spanish era when they were uh, colonizing that, that era. Uh, it was the capital of Guatemala at that time. But back in 1773, there was a, a huge earthquake that just ruined it. And the city of, of, of Antigua, probably about the size, square mileage, about of rising sun, about the same size, much more dense, a lot of, a lot of homes and, and, and places within there. But when, and when that earthquake hit, all the huge cathedrals, and there were 17 or 18 cathedrals throughout this, this little town, um, all these, these Catholic cathedrals were, were in, thrown into ruins. And so they moved the capital to Guatemala City, and yet now it's kind of a tourist kind of place. Uh, it's a cool place, cobblestone streets. There's this iconic volcano that's in the backdrop behind it. It's a dormant volcano, but there's another volcano that every night set up on my rooftop, you watch, the, watch it erupt. You, know, you see the, the lava glowing going down the side. Uh, the first time I was there, I said, does, does anybody... Is anybody checking on that? You know, I, I don't see volcanoes every day. I'm thinking, oh, is, this, is that okay? And uh, oh, yeah, 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 that, that, that happens all the time. It's fine, it's fine. Uh, and so it got cobblestone streets and all these bistros and cafes. It's just a great place to visit and, and be a part of. I was there in, in October, and it was later in the evening. I was, we'd already gone to bed. I was in my room studying, from preparing for the next day class, and the house starts to shake. And I don't mean just a little shake. First, it started real small, but then, I mean, big time shaking. And at first, I didn't know what was happening. I I'd never been in an earthquake before. I didn't know what that was. And, and yet, pretty soon, I recognized this, this is an earthquake. You know, this, is, this is happening. It only lasted about 30 to 45 seconds, but I mean, it was significant shaking. And I'm like, whoa, where do I go? And I'm trying to find a doorway. And, and I'm thinking this house I'm in is not going to stay up for any amount of time. Um, you know, what, what's the next place to be? Or should I make a run for it? And I'm trying to figure it out. About that time, it begins to quiet down. And then there's silence. And I think, okay, now what? And at first thought, her first thought was, Am I the only one that survived? <laughs> you know, I don't hear anyway. There's nobody saying, hey, Andy, how you doing up there? Or no sirens in the street or nothing. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? And then eventually I, I begin to hear in the distance, a nightclub, the music kind of starts up and they start to play. And 
Traffic starts to pick up outside and life goes on. I thought, okay. So that's how it works. Next morning at breakfast, with the host was there, and I said, oh, last night, trembler, which is the, that's the, the Spanish word for uh, um, earthquake. And she smiled her face and said, yeah, a big one, she said. Yeah, a big one, yeah. She got this big toothy grin on there, and she's noticing that, you know, I've got the terror in my eyes, and she's recognizing, oh, yeah, he, he doesn't know this. And uh, she said, yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. Don't care if it happens all the time. It was a big one. It's dangerous. What are you thinking? They just learned to live in the ruins. They knew. I mean, their, their history is all around the huge earthquake that leveled the city. But it happens all the time. That's just the way it is for them. I think the lesson for us is that life is about learning how to live among the ruins. Yeah, there's been storms. Yeah, it's hard and scary. And the question is, where do you put your faith? If you look back in, in verse 36, Jesus had a question that he asked, uh, that he asked his disciples. He, he said, you know, oh, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And that's, that question kind of confuses me. Because it, it seems a little bit harsh. It seems like, you know, he's kind of scolding them. Oh, you guys, what's wrong with you? I mean, this was scary stuff. This was a real problem. And I, I don't want to believe in a God that's up, up in heaven just scoffing at us. Oh, hell, they're worried about those things. No, it's real. It, it, it's real. Is that, is that what he was meaning? Are we supposed to pretend that, that the threat isn't real and, and just think, oh, spiritual living is just, oh, I, it doesn't bother me. That's what it means to be spiritual. I don't think so. I don't think that's the way it is. It, it, as I said, all, all, three of the, the gospel writers share the story. I like the, question, the way Luke words the question in his account. His question of Jesus was Jesus said, where is your faith? That's a different question, I think, than, than Matthew's account. And I think it says something to us. Where is your faith? Jesus wasn't questioning, how much faith do you have? Come on, you can do it. He wasn't a cheerleader or prodding them. It wasn't about how strong their faith was. Where? is your faith. The real key within this is what we're putting our faith in. I've learned so much over the last decade working with the global poor. Um, they look up to Americans. I mean, really do. Because we're so lucky, you know. We're so blessed and they see that and they think there must be something special in us. They, they assume that because of all the, the privilege that we have. And it's true, we have that kind of privilege and they certainly do not. Um, but the problem that we have that they don't see is that our prosperity, our comfort, 
is a lot of times where we put our faith. I believe in my strength. I believe in my ingenuity. I believe in my wealth or prosperity to keep me safe. And you know what? A lot of times it does. A lot of times it provides for us things that people in the world can't have and don't have. And we're fortunate. We're blessed by that. But when we don't have that, when, when what we have is not enough, when the storm really hits, when the waves are over the boat, we don't know what to do. We haven't learned where to put our faith because we haven't had to quite so much. A couple of years ago in Honduras, uh, there was a hurricane that came through. It didn't get a whole lot of press here in the United States. We are kind of going through this thing called COVID and had our minds busy on that. We weren't paying a whole lot of attention. But it was a, a pretty, pretty heavy hurricane that went through Central America and specifically hit in Honduras uh, around the area of San Pedro Sula, which is the second major city, a kind of an industrial city where a lot of the work that Lifeline does is centered around that city. That's one of our, our base areas. <clears throat> and... Um, the unique thing about this hurricane was when it came through was it was not so much winds. There was winds and stuff. It was a hurricane. But it, it was mainly rainfall. And most of the damage was not from wind damage, but it was from flooding. The, the rivers and everything was flooded. And so any low-lying area was just covered in, in, in water and the problems that that creates. Well, it was the pandemic, and so we couldn't get trips together to go down there to help them. We sent them some supplies, and we prayed for them. So it was up to them to kind of figure that out. And so the leaders from our churches just kind of got together, got their people and the Christians, and, and went to these areas to help them out. There was one area in specific was a, a little town called La Lima, just outside of San Pedro Sula. And it was just completely flooded, completely flooded. And so they went in right after the hurricane. They showed up with shovels and were shoveling mud out of people's living rooms and, and houses and, and cleaning things up. Tens of thousands, I think it was like 35, 40,000 people in this one small region were homeless because of this. So they're helping people find their way to get to where they need to go. They're, they're, they're just doing everything. I'm so proud of these people that didn't have anything themselves, but were willing to give them themselves to help their, their brothers and sisters who are in crisis. Two weeks later, a second hurricane came. Exact same place. And the exact same thing, tons of rainfall, those same houses filled with water again, the same exact people had not even come back to their home. Now we're looking at starting all over and cleaning up. Some deciding we're done and never came back. And our people got right back at it. They just jumped in there and began to shovel out and, and, during, in the aftermath, the weeks and even months after, it took a long, long time for them to recover from this. They, the people were living in this kind of park 
area. It was just an open park and it was safe and it was dry. So they just went there because that was a big place for them to congregate. Some of them just living there. That's where our medical teams went to help with the cholera and different things that come out in times like this. In the evening time, they had nothing to do, no electricity, no lights or anything happening. Nothing to do. And they began these impromptu worship services. Started with just some people with some guitars that just started singing some songs. And more and more people would gather around. And it got bigger and bigger. And then some of our people were coming in from the outside said, hey, you know, what's going on here? And they said, well, we, all we've got is Jesus. We want to thank him. We're alive. We've lost everything. But we're alive. And, and it began to be this huge, huge revival where every night they came and then our, our leaders started bringing more musicians and they started bringing their teams in and they started making it bigger and more people came and soon the whole park was full of people every night just praising God and praying to him. Not in complaint, not saying, why me? Not saying, what's, what's this all about? Why do good thing, bad things happen to good people? No, thank you, God, for being with us in the storm. You see, for people like that, who people who live in systemic poverty, all they had at this point was Jesus. But that was enough. That was enough. And I guess what I need to ask you today is where is your faith? If all you had was Jesus, would that be enough? Our God can calm any storm, but he doesn't calm every storm. It's true. And it's good. It's good. It's enough. As I get older, I, I'm kind of becoming that old guy. You know, always looking back and remembering the good old days, looking through, kind of taking stock of my life and seeing where I've been. And I, I've been so blessed. My, my life is so, so blessed. Well, let me tell you something. I have been through a lot of storms. Okay, don't, don't pretend or, or imagine that me standing up here means that I'm somehow insulated from some of the stuff you're going through. I've had it all. It's been horrible. I can still feel the pain of some of those things decades ago. And, and, and honestly, I hated every minute of it. Hated it. But I've learned and I've begun to, to kind of take stock of those things and say two things. It was always life-changing. Every storm was life-changing. It molded my character. Maybe it pointed me in a new direction. My, my life would be changed forever by those kinds of events, and, and yours are too. And I think, where would I be without that? 
And I don't think I'd change a thing. I don't think I would. As hard as it was, I needed it. And the second thing that I've realized is he's always been in the boat with me. Sometimes I've worried, I think, Jesus, you're sleeping, okay? And you don't see what's going on here. And it's okay for me to call out to him. It's okay. Wake him up. Come on. But we're never alone. And isn't that really all that matters? Isn't it? Our God can calm any storm. But he doesn't calm every storm. Let me pray with you. God, it's hard. It's hard because we look ahead to a new year and we say, man, I I want this to be a great year, but there's going to be storms. And right now there's some people in this room who are wrestling and struggling because they don't have a big enough picture of you. They're here, they, they get the whole story, they know it, but they've, they've lost the picture of all that you are and who you are and what you can do. They, they've missed the amazement of some of those things. Maybe they've just forgotten it. God, would you expand our picture of you? Would you today show us a bigger picture of who you are? But there's others, maybe most of us who are in a storm right now. Some of us, the waves are over the boat. God, would you be with them? Would you ease them? Would you send them your people? to remind them that they're not alone. That that, that they don't have to fight this on their own. And that you are with them riding through that storm for a purpose. God, you've come to show us something special. You know who you want us to be and you're going to mold us and shape us and direct us even in the storms. Give us the courage to ride them out see where you're going to take us. You're good to us, God. Help us to trust you. Help us to to, to see you as enough in every part of our lives. It's hard to do that, God. Give us what it takes to trust you more today. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.